Hello everyone, welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired, get motivated, or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Hey guys, Rosie here. I just want to say I am so grateful that you're listening. We are just getting a massive amount of response on this podcast, and I am so grateful that you're a part of this radically loved community, that you're enjoying the content and that you're enjoying all the guests and that you're still here and you're still working on yourself and your journey and your path. And I pray that you've received some tools listening to the guests or listening to any of my ideas or topics on meditation or yoga and how these tools can help you create a life of purpose to continue to help us give you the best content, you can subscribe to this podcast. And most of the time, you can just do it from your phone, from iTunes. Click subscribe and write a review. This really helps us continue this path and this journey. And we love doing it so much. And again, I'm so grateful that you're here. Let us know what you thought. Thanks for listening. Dr. Mike Dow is a highly sought after psychotherapist and New York Times bestselling author of The Brain Fog Fix and Diet Rehab. Throughout his career, he has hosted several hit television series, served as a go-to expert in relationships, brain health, addiction, and mental illness. You can currently hear him weekly on Hay House Radio's The Dr. Mike Show. He recently wrote a book called Healing the Broken Brain, which is co-written with his brother to serve as a handbook for stroke survivors. And my father, just a few years ago, is one of these people that suffered a stroke. And it was so enlightening to be able to hear Dr. Mike talk about all these things that we can look for, how our health affects our brains, and just really how our external environment affects our overall health. I was so excited to talk to him and to really connect and to just learn so much from all of his research and his expertise. And I can't wait to hear what you thought of this episode. You know, what are the things that we can do every single day to get rid of brain fog? Uh, Many people may know me from my last book, which was The Brain Fog Fix, Mm -hmm. uh, in which I created sort of this protocol uh, to help people, you know, putting together things like nutrition and cognitive behavioral therapy, meditation. Um, and, and now my new book, uh, it's a little, uh, it's a sort of a specialty book in a way, but you know, probably uh, more relevant than people may think. Uh, my new book, Healing the Broken Brain, is about stroke prevention and recovery uh, because my little brother had a massive stroke. And you know, what's really interesting is that we know that in America, that younger people, so we're, we're talking about young adults, middle-aged adults, uh, strokes are doubling. It's because of our lifestyle. It's because of our stress. It's what we're eating or what we're not eating. And, you know, it's, it's, 
you know, I, I really like talking about holistic brain health, talking about, you know, what are the best foods for this condition? What can prevent uh, that condition? Uh, whether we're talking about anxiety, depression, brain fog, dementia, mm -hmm. uh, or stroke. Um, and I'm also obviously from, uh, people may also know me from uh, my TV shows in which, you know, I, I give a lot of relationship <laughs> advice uh, yeah. I, uh, uh, on E or on VH1's uh, Couples Therapy or my talk show with Brody Jenner on mm -hmm. E. So, you mm -hmm. know, I, I, and sometimes in my spare time treating real housewives uh, on reality television. So I do that as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you've got a really full schedule uh, from what it sounds like. Uh, I'm so and very broad and interesting. Yes, yeah, very broad. It's so I know and that's the thing that you can do so many of these things, and you know, I it, it's interesting to to me to have read the the brain fog uh, book and and superfix and the uh, brain fog superfix and then healing broken brain and just kind of seeing the the differences in in both, and I I really loved you know, how you brought in this, this, the story about your younger brother and how, you know, you, you watched him, uh, how he wrestled with depression and all these things that look, it's all relative. And, and you do say how there's, there's many different variety of, of subjects that you work with and deal with people. But at the end of the day, isn't everything just interconnected anyway? Like, Absolutely. That's why I, 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 I can talk about so many things because they all have sort of this common thread. And at the end of the day, we all just want to be happy and whole, right? So yeah. I, I think if, if we can help people to become more whole and, you know, obviously that's, it's not just a, a uh, it's not a one uh, quick and it probably doesn't come in an orange bottle. Although, listen, for some people, um, you know, I'm not. It, listen, I, I have a very middle of the road approach. Some people may need something uh, in an orange bottle that can help uh, with some conditions, and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But I also believe, and if you've read my books, um, you know that far too many people um, are looking for pills to be the answer when the truth is if you put together a lot of the things you know the yoga that you practice mm -hmm. and meditation and better choices in food um we probably need a lot less of them at the very least so you know i i i i love just you know this holistic perspective yes. in, in terms of health yeah and so how do you feel like you know, and especially your your doctor, you know, and so it's interesting to hear more and more doctors begin to practice a more holistic way of health. And for you, I mean, I know that there's always going to be a time and a place for the orange bottle to come in. But in your experience, what have you seen has helped people the most? I think food and spirituality are, are both, I think, really vital. Mm -hmm. But, you know, listen, I think food is something that we, everybody has to eat every single day, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a decision that we make, you know, if we we're going to exercise three or seven times a week, um, that's something that we do, you know, a few times a week or maybe even daily. We make those choices three, four, five, six times a day in terms of what we're eating or not eating. And everything that we put into our bodies has the power to either help to heal or it has the power to fog it. So, you know, I, I think food is probably for most people the most profound choice. And I have seen, you know, and, and I'm so glad that there was even a recent study uh, that was just published uh, that found, you know, the diet that I recommend in the brain fog fix is a modified Mediterranean mm -hmm. diet. And, you know, there are ways to do it in, in a vegan and, or vegetarian way if you, right. if you so desire. Uh, but we know that 
it's not just effective in preventing brain fog, uh, but in a large in a study this year, they found that it can even help to treat major depressive disorders. So I think we're starting to see just how powerful diet can be for people, uh, because it, again, it is a choice that we all have to make every single day. Yeah, well, especially now, I feel like more and more cleaner, less processed food is becoming more available for us to to consume. Before it was. It was. It felt like it was more difficult, right? It was like the only options we had were mostly processed, and it was kind of like the the thing to do. People are busy; they will go to fast food, and it just feels like now there's more cleaner options. You can go to any grocery store, and there's there's at least a small section of organic produce and high quality foods, and and it just seems like there's there's way more options now. As far as you know that that talking about like spirituality or energetics uh, affecting our overall well-being. I'm curious to to ask what your thoughts are on surrounding yourself with the right type of people. You know, like just with the healing and and you're you're so focused on like science and the overall health. And I'm just curious what your thoughts are on how energy affects us. Uh, well, you know, we, we know from studies that, you know, if you surround yourself with people who are overweight, you're likely to be overweight. And if you mm. surround yourself with people who are fit, you're likely to be fit. And I think the same goes for uh, positive and negative energy. So if you are surrounding yourself with people who lift you up, who who are, are like-minded, uh, they're going to help you in, in everything that you do, in your goals, in what you're choosing to do, in lifestyle choices, um, in support people who are really going to be there for you uh, because we know that connection um, and, and by the way we also know that most Americans are becoming lonelier and lonelier when we look at the statistics mm -hmm. so do you have people around you that lift you up when you need a, a, a hand a helping hand to guide you through something difficult in your life but you know even looking at you know I'm actually uh, doing this podcast with my uh, dog Rocco in my lap you know we, we, know, <laughs> uh, we know we know that even the connection that we have with our with animals, animals yeah, you know, people absolutely. are much more likely to survive after a heart attack. Yeah. I mean, the statistics are profound. As Americans, we're living alone more than ever uh, compared to any other time in history. Uh, we're getting married less. Uh, and we even have less friends, you know, in, in terms of the number of confidants people have. Uh, that number has declined. And a lot of people say that they don't have any close friends. Mm. So, you know, I, I think that the power of that is is really profound. And we have to make a, a conscious effort uh, to surround ourselves with, with great people. How much of that is is related to social media do you think curious oh, curious a, a kitten lot. <laughs> a lot a lot so you know it's it's fascinating this this phenomenon of social media because yeah. you know in psychology we talk about these upward facing comparisons versus downward right mm -hmm, so you mm -hmm. know and we know that people who tend to get depressed, they use a lot of upward facing comparisons, meaning they're looking up and they're looking at the people who have it better than themselves. Mm -hmm. And they're, you know, they're watching, not to knock the Kardashians because, you know, one of the, one, I, I did, I, I did a podcast and, and, a, and a show on E! with one of the uh, Kardashian families and, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, Brody is an incredible, incredible, kind guy. Mm -hmm. uh, but, mm -hmm. you know, I think when we look at some of these celebrities like the Kardashians, we see those mansions in Calabasas. Um, we, we've, feel like, oh, my life just isn't good enough. And I think that the idealized version that people paint of themselves on social media, especially if you're having a, a hard time, and you know, there's this really fascinating study I referenced in the Brain Fog Fix, uh, that looking at when people assessed mood, 
And people were more likely to feel down after they went on social media. So listen, I think social media, I remember when um, Facebook was something that only it was for, it was first for college students and my friends in Europe were using Facebook then um, before Americans, be, before it became big here when Americans were still on MySpace. Uh, so listen, I think if social media is helping you to maintain contacts and maintain friendships, if you notice that you don't have any real relationships and social media is a, a flimsy substitution for real quality relationships in your life. And if you find yourself, uh, you know, eating lasagna on the couch, binge watching Netflix by yourself on a Friday night, as you go through everyone's Instagram account, <laughs> that's, that's not a recipe for happiness, oh, right? Yeah. If you, on the other hand, if you use that social media to keep in contact with a friend who doesn't live in your city and it's, you know, it's like my, my friend Vivian lives in Ohio and uh -huh. I love keeping in contact with her to see what's going on in her life and my family and all that. So, you know, I, I think it's, 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 you know, it's, it's not a black or white, um, situation, but it's certainly something that we have to really examine. And I think a lot of people are feeling miserable and comparing themselves to unrealistic um, yeah. ideals. Yeah. Because we're, we're watching the highlight reels of people's lives and using that to merit our own life which is, is always not, it's never going to add up. It's always going to be different. I read something like there's 60% 60, 60 of people using social media uh, reported that it, it impacts their self-esteem in a negative way. And then 50% reported that social media having uh, would have negative effects on their relationships. And I'm like, wow, like it's just, I, I mean, as a doctor, like how do you assess that and how do you start to work with that? Like how do we begin to shift that? Yeah, I think we just have to own uh, inner guides, right? So I think we have to be really good at looking at feelings as information. You know, this is something that I that I help people that I treat to do every single day, and it is if something is making you sad and it, and it sounds so common sense and simple and yet human beings we get trapped if something is not working for you you have to do something differently and a lot of times we get you know the funny thing about emotions also is that they tend to be they tend to be cyclical and, and we either get ourselves trapped in downward spirals or we get ourselves in in um, sort of uh, snowball effects of positivity right so mm -hmm. it's funny to me how once we st go down a, a path of negativity and feeling bad about ourselves, yeah, we're more likely to continue that path. So, you know, that's why I, I help people to really pay attention to the way they feel. And if something is not making you feel good about yourself, to do something differently. And it sounds so simple, but the result of that simple, simple, um, that simple philosophy uh, can, can make a, a huge impact on the way you feel and, and on the course of your life. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. You know, in, in reading uh, your latest book, just kind of going into that whole thing about, you know, feeling better, helping somebody, you know, you, you write about how, you know, you you watched your brother go through this and, and um, after he had a stroke at a very young age, right? And um, you watched him, how how he, you know, struggled with things and, you know, trying to help motivate you know, to recover and being a, a, a teenager, you know, like all the things that we, we struggle with. Um, I'm just, I'm curious, uh, to hear from you. Why, why are you talking about this now? And why do you think it's important for us to, to learn about healing our broken brain? When I was 15 and my, and my brother was 10 and he had this massive stroke and couldn't, uh, 
walk or talk uh, and had to learn how to say a single word and then a single sentence. Um, you know, I saw the, prof- the, the, what belief does, you know, and, and also what we're capable of when push comes to shove. And, you know, I think that everybody has something in their lives that has challenged them and brought them to their knees like this stroke, my brother's stroke did for uh, my family. And I also believe that when we talk about these things, it, it can touch and inspire other people. You know, I've been getting these messages. My mom sent me a, a, a message from somebody who was dying in a Barnes and Noble, um, reading, uh, healing the broken brain, somebody who had just had a stroke and t- it was the first time that after her stroke, she went on the subway by herself and she went and she picked up this book, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and isn't that incredible that, that these things that we take for granted every single day brings us to our knees. It when if we become these, uh, if we become warriors and we fight and we challenge ourselves, you know, I think a stroke is such a great example of that because we see that when a part of the brain is dead, uh, that we have the ability to rewire, but that's not just for stroke survivors. We all have the ability to rewire our brain uh, by what we choose every single day. And I think that's a really important lesson. Mm, How do you think we can begin to appreciate those things? Don't you think that we sometimes fall into that cycle of like negativity or feeling like we're stuck in a rut? Like, oh, yeah. I think this is the, the phenomenon of selective attention, right? So oh, yeah. it's almost as if when, you know, when you look around the room and you say to yourself, blue, 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 you know, your eye is going to go to the, all the blue things that you see. Um, or you can look around the room and say red, 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 and your, and your eye will notice the, the red things. And that you know, by the same token, you know, I think a lot of us, we all have a choice in every single moment of our lives to look around and say, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong. Right. So it's not that, you know, yes, uh, you can change the circumstances of your life, but I think so much of it is the outlook and, and, you know, and we move from a, um, a what's wrong lens to a what's right lens. And, you know, and it's, you know, it can be a gratitude practice. It can be just, you know, thinking uh, and remembering a time. One of the most effective uh, principles of cognitive behavioral therapy is what's the contrary evidence. When you're feeling like you're not worth anything, what is the contrary evidence from your life that proves that wrong? Mm -hmm. You know, if if you look around yourself and say, you know, what am I the most proud of myself for? It's like, yeah, you know, I did graduate with that degree, even though it was hard for me. Or, yeah, you know, people have fallen in love with me uh, and I with them. And, you know, or, yeah, you know, I I am a really kind person. And here's the evidence. Here are all the things that I have done to help others in my life. So I think we all have that opportunity each and every single day to get out of that these negative cyclones of uh, of thinking and and really turn it turn it on its head and and you can do it by just asking yourself that simple question what's right with my life yeah like just shifting your perspective to focus on all the positive things that are working as opposed to focusing on the things that aren't working right yeah so, yeah exactly and and this might be a nice little segue to ask you about uh relationships just kind of because we're on the subject of changing things and habits i work with uh, a lot of uh men and women that are currently single dating in the digital age and it's interesting talking about like changing or focusing on positive with the way that things are being done now mostly online and you're kind of taking the humanness out of meeting people organically because people are using apps now to find love in their lives. Um, what, what's sort of like the new phenomena you see in 
how we perceive ourselves and what it is that we're actually looking for. So like how how is the digital age now affecting our ability to have a relationship and just a relationship to ourselves? Yeah, you know, I think that all of a sudden it's sort of that good on paper stuff has become <laughs> uh, more apparent, you know, people... People are like creating these profiles from themselves and making them all seem like, yeah. you know, prince and princess charmings, you know, and people it's like, hiring, oh my gosh. People are hiring people to write their profiles. It's like, crazy. Yes. And, and, you know, listen, we should absolutely put our best foot forward. If we look at some of these, these profiles, it's like, oh my gosh. It's like, if you read some of these profiles, it's like, everyone is just so perfect. Right. Uh, so <laughs> I, I have to. And, and and when we meet organically, you know, it's not really about your CV or your resume. It's about it's a, it's about a chemistry and who you are. And you know, yeah, then you then it evolves into conversation. And you know, what do you do? And where did you go to school? And you know, all all those other things. Um, but you know, I think most importantly, it is this this energy and and you know, seeing the picking up on the little things, you know, and uh, seeing the way people talk to um, you know a barista, you know, or the way yeah. they drive. Or, all of these little things that, you know, no one's going to put in their online profile. Well, I'm kind of a jerk driver and I honk at everybody that I see, you know, it's like uh, some, some, some of these things you just, uh, you, you, you can't put in a profile and, and I, that we have to, we have to value our, our organic experiences with other human beings. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. It's so true. And it's so funny to, to just kind of see how, everything's evolving, right? The way that we see the world is evolving, the way that we see ourselves, the way that we relate to people. Um, uh, you've been doing this for a long time now, right? You you work uh, with people, you yep. work with just, you know, at everyday people, you work with celebrities, you've worked with, you know, people that are extremely successful, you know, you, you've worked with the gamut of, of people. Uh, in different topics, obviously, as, as you said, you, you're expertise is vast, which is awesome. Uh, what is, what have you found lately has been the biggest topic that you've, you've had to deal with, with your patients? I, I think the, probably the most universal topic is discovering the root. And I think this also explains, you know, people ask me, well, do you treat addiction? Yes, I treat addiction. Do you treat trauma? Do you treat sexual abuse? Yes, I treat sexual abuse. Do you treat uh, depression and ADHD? Yes, I treat that. Uh, and, 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 you know, what I find is that, you know, people may come in with a different presenting problem or a different diagnosis or, you know, and, and of course it looks uh, different. At the end of the day, there is sort of this uh, universal underlying root. And the root is, you know, how do you feel about yourself and what do you believe about the world? Do you believe, do you walk around with a mantra that says, I'm not good enough? You know, something bad is going to happen at any time because you have something in your life that shows you, well, if that can happen, then anything can happen, right? If my dad can die all of a sudden when I'm 12 years old from a heart attack out of the blue, then, you know, then anything bad could happen at any time. And I'm just going to walk around my life, uh, with that, uh, system. Yeah. And, 
you know, I, I think that it doesn't matter what I'm treating. And, you know, of course it looks different and, and, and there are different modalities that I use, of course, but have to look at what are these mantras that we're walking around with and what do we have to do to change that mantra? So is it a, is it a mindset shift? Is it, is it, um, is it a behavior shift? You know, if you believe that you're not good enough, what experience would you have to have? You know, what kind of reality testing, um, you know, if you believe that, uh, that you're not worth anything and you're not even putting going back to this online dating uh, example, and if you don't, uh, you're too afraid to even put your, your photo on on a dating site, it's like, well, then you're never going to create opportunity to have the evidence to prove that wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think that, that, that at the end of the day, we have to really go to our root and discover it is what is the cocktail that is going to cr- create change. And it's usually not a one, one simple fix. Uh, usually it's a, usually it's, uh, putting a few thing, different things together. Maybe it's com- combining yoga with eating better, with putting yourself out there, with connecting more, with, with volunteering, with, you know, and, and you put, you put all of this together and, you know, maybe you need professional help and you see me once a week for a few months. You put that all together and all of a sudden you can have a, a really profound um, change in your life. And, um, you know, one of the things I don't, I don't coddle people, but I, you know, I have a lot of passion, but I have to push them a little bit because, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, if we're just complaining about our state, um, it, it's not really half of the magic of what I do in my practice is what happens in the moment, but the other half of the magic, and I would argue probably the, the bigger part is what are you going to do after I I help you to find the understanding or, you know, reprocess the trauma. Um, what are you going to do in your life tomorrow afternoon and tomorrow night and the next morning? What time are you going to wake up? What are you going to eat for breakfast? Who are you going to call or not call? Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, and, and, and so I think if we can make those changes, um, uh, we can really do almost anything. Yeah, oh, that's so true. I'm like, and we're done. I mean, really, that's it. <laughs> like, that's that's gonna solve all of our problems if we're able, if we're actually able to to do that. Um, I want to just kind of go back to the book for a little bit. There was a question I I wanted to talk to you about. There was um a chapter in there when I think it's Dr. Roth talking about um I'm, I'm segueing. Maybe I should preface this question by saying. Uh, a few years ago, maybe maybe a little over 10 years, uh, maybe a little bit more, my father had a minor stroke. And, you know, after he was fine, he didn't want to give anybody, he didn't want to make anybody feel startled. He also, you know, kind of drinks a lot and didn't want to make anybody feel like he was having a, a hard time, right? But um, it was interesting because soon after, you know, he was kind of dealing with a lot of things and, and some of the, the feeling on his left side was starting to come back, but it was, you know, he was, he was paralyzed on one side, you know, which is an effect, Mm -hmm. right. Of having it. So, um, I started, as I was reading, I was like, wow, this book would have been really awesome to have (laughs) like back then, you know, and, and I'm so grateful for it now, but I really loved how, um, uh, you know, there's all this information in there, what family members can do after a stroke or, you know, how to how to create, a, a establish a structured communication tree. Like, I'm just like looking at my notes. I'm like, all these things are are so good. And I think that everything that we're talking about is really related, because if you look at somebody's life as a whole that is struggling with with, you know, addiction or, or has health problems or, you know, is trying to recover from a stroke, I think it's really important to your point looking at your life 
holistically and, and examining all of the facets of your life to really understand where you're at and having a tribe or a community or your family really understand where you're coming from so that it creates less anxiety, less misunderstandings, less stress. So, um, I mean, aside from this was the point of creating this piece of work, right? What, what do you think are, are some helpful things that we can do just just for ourselves and for those the listeners out there who are really going to get a lot of value out of just reading this book for people that have, you know, in their family or them themselves have had a stroke or just to have this in their expertise that that's so important. What kind of tips do you think uh, we can we can give the listeners as far as gathering more tools for dealing with with that? Yeah, I think it's really about putting it all together. So, you know, unlike my other books, I knew I couldn't write this book by myself. So, you know, for this book, which is different than all my other books, pretty much just here from me. Yeah. <laughs> um, in this book, my brother and I interviewed the world's best experts, mm-hmm. a neurologist, a speech therapist, an occupational therapist, a physical therapist. And we needed to hear from all of these different uh, professionals and, and, you know, also from my brother, who is the stroke survivor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and really, it's about putting all of these modalities together, right? So I think no matter who you are or no matter what your ailment is, maybe recovering from stroke or depression, you know, I, I think a lot of people are looking for that silver bullet. And mm-hmm. it, it, the, 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 the message here is that there is no silver bullet, but in most cases, but the good news is, is that you have all of the tools that you need. And I think that's so true, whether we're talking about depression or brain fog or stroke recovery. And, and I think that's the way we need to, need to sort of uh, approach treatment and, and, you know, treating ourselves better no matter what we're doing. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, for, for the people that haven't read uh, your other books, I highly recommend them. Uh, one of my favorite uh, courses that I did was the, the Brain Fog Superfix uh, course that you did. And you had Daniel Eamon on there. Uh, Ross Rayburn, uh, Leanna Werner Gray, uh, JJ Virgin as well. Um, there's so many, it was just, it was, it's really incredible. I mean, your, your work, I mean, I'm so grateful that, that there's somebody like you that has the, the bandwidth and capacity to be researching all these topics, and like giving us all the goods. So, so thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, thank you. Dr. Mike, I'm curious, uh, personally for you, what, what has been the the biggest inspiration in your life in your career? Oh, that's a that's a that's a big question. Know. You know, my We're my brother's you know my my brother is is the biggest inspiration. I mean, in terms of my hero and in terms of doing something that I having the strength mm-hmm. um, that I think a lot of people would have just given up on. And, you know, the power of the human spirit and the power of believing in yourself, you know, I'm just so happy to see my brother happy now every single day. And, you know, in, in terms of, um, my, my career, it's, it's also realizing that if you have something that you believe in, it's not going to happen overnight, but at the end of the day, um, cream rises, right? So if you have a, a really pure intent, um, and you and you and you're passionate about 
do that cream will rise to the top and that message that you want to um, carry carry and, and spread and you know and shout from the mountaintops if there's something that you're passionate about um, maybe it doesn't have to be on a huge scale it can be on a, on a smaller scale if it can be something as simple as, as helping uh, your friend through a divorce right yeah. and I do believe that if we uh, if we really persevere right it's not going to happen overnight and so so many things, gosh, I've learned so much uh, uh, along the way in both my professional, um, you know, sort of what I do for a living in my private practice and also my media career. My, mm-hmm. Man, I've made so many mistakes and man, I have um, uh, learned so much <laughs> and man, it took me a long time to get where I am. But, you know, I think it's, it's also the power of perseverance. And if there's something that you really believe in, by the way, it's probably not going to look exactly, um, you know, I, I certainly know that what the dream that I have mm-hmm. had, you know, it has morphed and it, you know, but if you just continue to move forward in your lives, I think if we, if we move, march confidently towards our dreams with also a, a little bit of flexibility and an open mind and an open heart, I think uh, amazing things will come your way. Mm-hmm. What has been the biggest lesson in your life? The biggest lesson in my life is the power of perseverance, uh, especially as it relates to to, to work, right? Yeah. And and somebody you may not not be the very best in the world, and you know that's okay. There's only you know listen. There's only one Michael Phelps, right? There's only one like right. best in the world. You know that doesn't mean that there's only room for one person, right? It, and and I think the power of perseverance. When I was uh gosh, I must have been in my early twenties. I had a I had a friend who you know he was like a studio executive, and he's like. And, and I remember him telling me that and he said, you know what I, I like about you? And I think the reason you're going to be successful, you know, there's, you know, yeah, you're smart and blah, blah, blah. But he's like, you persevere. I, he's like, I can tell like you had some. And, and, and I thought that that was a really powerful lesson. I never forgot that conversation. Isn't it so interesting how we can have those conversations with that one influential person and it just is it sticks with you and it changes everything. Yeah, it really does. It really, really does. And, you know, I, I think so many people um, need to remember that. So <laughs> yeah. just keep on, keep on keeping on, you know. What advice would you give if you, if you had to, if you had a time machine, if you had a time machine to take you back to, I don't know, 10 years ago when you were 15, um, what, <laughs> what advice would you give your 15-year-old self right now? I think I would tell my 15-year-old self that it, 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 you know, that it's going to get better. Uh, that that what I call that pitfall thought pattern of permanence of oh God, it's always going to be this bad and it's always going to be this hard is not true. You know, um, there was sort of this. I used to have this dread and this sadness around my brother's stroke. Um, and I just thought, Oh God, what am I going to do? You know, and, Mm -hmm. um, is he ever going to get better? Um, and I can tell you that he is, he is really truly happy now. That's the thing that we all need to remember that no matter what dark cloud that you are, uh, going through right now, there, there is a way for it to get better. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that because I think that, um, um, I, I think we all need to remember that, especially when the storm clouds are circling about you and you need to remember that, you know, even the, the, the cloudiest day clouds, uh, roll back and the sun peeks through, yeah. uh, eventually you just have to sort of believe, remember that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. What advice 
what advice would your 60-year-old self tell you now? Oh, that's a great question. I think my 60-year-old self would tell me to just chill out. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling. Like, you know, it's interesting. I'm like, hmm, I wonder what he would say. He'd probably be like, hmm, maybe just take a look. <laughs> You're doing a lot. No, continue. Sorry. Right about so many of these things is, you know, I tend to be sort of a – uh, an anxious person, you know, it's why I need to, I need exercise. I need yoga. I need my interval training classes. Um, because I have uh, very high expectations for myself and sometimes I get down on myself. Right. So, uh, so I, I think that, uh, I think, yeah, I think my six year old would just tell me to chill out that it's all going to be okay. You know, <laughs> for me, sometimes if there's like one week where some, you know, I don't like hit some major milestone, I'm like, right. Oh gosh, <laughs> Life, you know, like, yeah, it's like chill out, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm like, I have all these other questions that I want to ask you, but we're we're coming close to the end, so I don't want to stop before asking you uh, the final question. But I do first want to say uh, thank you for all the work that you do and that you've done. I really feel like all the work that you've done, you've been a huge pioneer in the industry of, of psychotherapy and research and using holistic health and all these different modalities and working with all these experts and really curating information for us all to to benefit from. So I personally want to say thank you for, for doing that work and for being a pioneer and for being such a huge inspiration to all of us. So thank you for that. And um, the final question is, um, it's about this forum. It's about everything that we're talking about. So I created Radically Loved as a forum for people to come to, to get information, to get inspired, to learn a little bit more about yoga and meditation, and just to feel the support of the community. We're all the same. We're all on a journey. We're all on our own path. And that we are all supported by God, Source, Universe, Baby Buddha, Krishna, whatever it is, whatever higher power of your understanding, there is energy, there's a force that's keeping this world together. The universe conspires for us and not against us. So the question to you, Dr. Mike, is how do you feel radically loved and what do you radically love? I feel radically loved when I am in some sort of spiritual practice, but I also go to church. Um, uh, but I also believe in a lot of other things, you know, so I do, I go to a Tuesday night pranayama kundalini class and then, you know, a lot of times on Sunday morning, I'm also in this very, um, cool Hollywood, very open-minded church. And, you know, there, there are moments when I, you know, I usually cry in church. I usually cry. <laughs> Last week I cried at kundalini, right? So, so <laughs> everyone cries at moments. kundalini. <laughs> oh my gosh! These moments, and you know, it's hard to even put into words uh, yeah. the way the way I feel because it kind of is beyond words. So those are the those are the moments, um, and I also get the message. If I had to put it into words, it's that um, that there is a higher power supporting you, whether you can see it all the time or pay, choose to pay attention to um, it 
or not. I radically love all of the people in in my life, from you know my uh, my boyfriend to my our two rescue dogs to all of the patients that I've ever treated. You know, I I really you know the compassion that I have, and you know, of course my family members. You know, it's like I, I want everyone to to tap into their potential. I'm such a fixer, and when I see somebody not tapping into their potential or you know not getting the love that they need, sometimes I tell myself to keep my mouth shut because <laughs> I know that sometimes people need to be on their own journey on their yeah. own time. Right. Fine. But I just, just want everyone to get what they deserve at, at all times, which is, I think, probably why I love what I do so much is mm. because people are literally paying me and asking me and begging me for my opinion or yeah. their, my help. Um, that's who I love. Mm, thank you so much, Dr. Mike. Where For people listening, listeners who want more information about you and what you're doing and uh, they're curious or they need help and they want to purchase uh, Healing the Broken Brain, uh, or any of your other books, where can we go for more information? You can go to my website, drmikedow.com. Are you on any social media? Do you ever do social media at all? Yeah, yeah. So I'm on Twitter at Dr. Mike Dow. Um, doctor is spelled out on Twitter and on Instagram, D-R-M-I-K-E-D-O-W. Awesome. Awesome. Dr. Mike Dow, everyone, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm so excited. Thank you, Rosie. It was a true pleasure. Please come back and do this again. Would love to. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us. Message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes. Write a review. We love doing this. So please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.